Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in. We are back. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. Verderam, man, you had to fly solo last week. I was down uh, not getting tan in Orlando where a lot of sunscreen. Learned my lesson. How'd it go? Uh, Good. Good. I uh, hearkened back to my old college radio days and, and did the show uh, just just one for the people. But it was uh, it's good. Yeah. It was fine. We uh, we had plenty to talk about with Orlando Brown, and uh, we 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 kept things rolling. So all in all, can't complain. It worked out just fine. I hope you enjoyed your uh, your suntanned Orlando trip. It was good, man. It was good. Got to meet a lot of our uh, our fellow fan siders and uh, went down to Universal Studios for a couple of days before the event kicked off. That was cool. I'd never been down to. Been to the one out in uh, in Hollywood, but the one in in Florida is a much bigger deal. It's a much bigger park. There's actually three of them. Uh, I went on that new um, uh, Jurassic Park roller coaster, the Velosa coaster. Holy shit, man! That thing was incredible, absolutely incredible. I got there early. Uh, I was staying at the hotel so you could get in before the park opened, and I zipped on over there. It's, the wait was was incredible for that thing. You big coaster guy, you know. I was um, at different points in my life. Like, I, I'm not now. I don't think like if my daughter was like, I really want to go, I would go. I don't think she's really into it. But I, in high school, I was. Now I'm more like I'm good. I'll 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 hang out and, and drink a, drink a Corona and I'll let let some other poor slob get thrown up on. But uh, that, that's where I fall on in there. I feel like as you get older, um, you know, it's one of those things where. Uh, when I was a kid, like I would do stuff like, you know, in high school, like we would mountain bike and stuff in the woods and like we were tearing down. Like now I'm much more risk averse as I've gotten older. Um, just things that like wouldn't have bothered me when I was older. I'm, I'm looking at everything and I'm like, well, that might do me in. I don't know if it's uh, if it's if it's a wisdom thing or just that's what happens as you get older. You start to get a little more afraid of the old Grim Reaper. Yeah, I feel like as you get older, you simultaneously have more and less to live for. Like. <laughs> You know, as you like, you get older, and you yeah. know, my case, you have kids, you got a wife, you got all, you know, your career. But also, when you're younger, like you don't have to work, you don't have bills, you don't have to deal with all that crap. Like you know, so it's like now, if you're mountain biking down a hill and you take an unfortunate header, you're like, well, no work tomorrow, nope, <laughs> right, no right. More bills, because yeah. this guy, it's all over. So yeah. it really, it really depends on perspective. Yeah, I feel you. You know, I don't. I don't have any kids, so I don't have them to live for. But I do have a very special person in my life, Patrick Mahomes, who I've been waiting for, as I know many of you have, my entire life. And so it's very important that I at least hang on until the end, until uh, Mahomes retires. After that, you know, I, I, I feel like I have, I'll put in my time, but got to hang on for number 15. Yeah, I'm, I've got like four different jokes in my head, but I don't know that any of them are appropriate. But I, yeah, I, <laughs> look, um, yeah. yeah, when he retires, it's going to, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It, 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 talk about losing something to live for when he's not on the team anymore. Like when he leaves and their quarterback is like the next version of Andy Dalton. My, yeah, my God. Yeah. What? It's going to be so impossible to watch them when he's no longer the quarterback. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> totally rude. Yeah. Unless they have like a Packers, Rodgers to, 
you know, Favre to Rogers situation, which like, what are the odds of that? It's, we're going to be super, super spoiled. Listen, I wanted to ask you before we get into the show, we got, we got a few things to talk about today, but I wanted to talk to you about the Orlando Brown stuff. Cause I missed week last week's show. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going crazy because of the talk of, you know, does he, should he be the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL? And, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I do know, at least this is my opinion. and I'm interested to hear yours. Who the hell else are you going to put in there? You traded a first round pick for the guy you're paying. Like, I don't know why Chiefs fans are like, he's not worth it. He's also still really young, by the way. He's been with the team one year, uh, ascending player, in my opinion. But I want to hear your I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're gonna pay him. And they're gonna pay him because he's a really good player and he's in his mid twenties and you just gave up a ton for him. Like, why wouldn't you sign him? That is the one thing it's funny. So I'm gonna go a little off the board here, but stick with me. So I am a Devils fan in hockey, and if you're not a hockey fan, let me inform you, they are terrible, okay? And every year I listen to that fan base scream about how much they have cap space, and look at all the assets they have, and all these drafts. It's like, yeah, that's great. They don't win games. That's awesome. If, the, if, if, if you'd like to raise a banner for cap space, the Devils are going to look like the Boston Garden, okay? The problem is you don't get a banner for that. You get a banner for winning games. Now, to bring this to the Chiefs, like, if you don't sign him, okay, then what? <laughs> like, you're going to spend money on a left tackle. You need a left tackle. Like, I, it's not like it's not like if you don't sign him, you're just going to go, hey, it's cool. Like, Lucas Niangle slide over. You know, <laughs> right, like, right. Th- that's not the answer. Is he going to be the highest paid player in fo- uh, lineman in football? No, I don't think he will be. But do I think he's going to get five and 105 and 58 million guaranteed? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think he should. And you know why I think he should? Here's the litmus test. If they didn't sign him and he went to unrestricted free agency, what would his contract be? He's Probably that. Yeah. Right? If not even a little more. So he's worth the money. I don't have any problem with the Chiefs giving him that kind of money. And to me, other than Mahomes, you can make a real argument. He's the most important player on the team. Like, he protects Mahomes. So, yeah. I Especially, too, they have, they have a line where, where Tooney costs money. But Humphrey and Smith are cheap for years. So right. you can afford it. Yeah, I would absolutely pay him. I think they will pay him. Very important position. Guys got to get paid. Why? There's no reason to fight over a, a million or two at, the, at that position with a guy that young that you traded a first-round pick for. Absolutely not. What's up to everybody in the chat that's watching live on YouTube? What's up, Brent? What's up, Zach? What's up, John F.? I saw our guy Clint in there, our guy USAF Chiefs fan, Nate. Somebody's from Costa Rica. That's pretty rad. Brent's um, so, Costa Rica. We got the yeah. Gonzos always in reach. So it's it's a yeah. it's a full uh, it's a full group. Brent's a couple Costa of guys that are sixty five years old before they saw me, which is I, I almost take that as a compliment. <laughs> you know, I appreciate and I just wanted to say to all you watching right now live, and of course all that, that will be listening to this later today or tomorrow, we appreciate you because this is the hardest time of year for us. The numbers yeah. go down, the casuals. Yeah. You know, people are grilling, living their lives. The sickos like us and you who need their Chiefs content, need two two podcasts a week on the Chiefs, you guys are are, are what keep us going. You're very, very important to our offseason. No so doubt. thank you so much. Uh, Twin is a Swede checking in per usual. Appreciate you guys. All right, before we get into some more Chiefs talk, we got to let you know this podcast, it's brought to you 
by the Kansas City Beer Company. KC Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City, and they're also the only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles, actually brewing their beer according to the German purity law of 1516, using four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's absolutely delicious, and somehow they managed to make these incredible tasting beers with just those four simple ingredients. It's an award-winning brewery with a terrific lineup of brews, so whatever type of beer you're into, KC Beer Co. has a style for you. Just look for the red KC Beer Co cartons in your local store and support the arrowhead attic podcast by supporting casey beer co do us a favor go on twitter if you haven't done it yet i'm holding you to it at casey beer co on twitter let them know you heard about their beer on the arrowhead attic podcast it keeps us in business dare to beer different all right let's talk chiefs um so there's this was kind of going around on twitter and i wanted to ask you about it Verram, and ask you all in the chat people that are, are watching live about the chiefs running back room now uh, there's a lot of – some football fans love pro football focus. Some hate pro football focus. Some love pro football focus when, of course, they say one of the play- players that they like is really yeah. good and they hate it and it's garbage and they don't know what they're talking about when one of the players they like is playing poorly. Um, it's a tool, right, just like anything else. They're doing analysis. Take it for what it's worth. Nobody's perfect. They don't know everything about what players are doing. However, they have said that the Chiefs – they did a ranking of the running back rooms in the NFL – and they rank the Chiefs number 30 with only the Rams and the Texans being worse. So, you know, the, the, the projected depth chart for the Chiefs, you got CEH, Ronald Jones, Derek Gore, and Isaiah Pacheco, who they drafted in the seventh round. Right. That's if they all make the team, they probably will. Um, what's, what's your opinion on this? I'm going to actually, before you get into it, I'm just going to read what they wrote so we can set the table here. The Chiefs were another team that struggled to capitalize on favorable rushing situations, light boxes, and quality run blocking in 2021. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has earned a first down or touchdown on just 20% of his rushing attempts since he was drafted in 2020, ranking 28th among 32 running backs with at least 250 carries. His impact as a receiver, 426 total receiving yards in two years, hasn't been what was anticipated coming out of LSU either. All right. What is what do you think, Ferdinand? Are the Chiefs bottom of the barrel when it comes to their running back room? Yes, but uh-huh. it's also like if we're, if you're going to be bottom of the barrel there, it's fine. Like I, I don't, they're not winning or losing because of who their running back is. Like, look, I'm I'm a Damian Williams guy. Damian Williams is their running back and they won the Super Bowl. They're fine. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, their running backs are capable. I mean, I'd have to sit there and go through every single room. But let, let me let me say this. I honestly, I didn't look at the rankings. Maybe you have them in front of you. Do you, actually, let me ask you. Do you have them in front of you? I do not. Okay. Because I would be curious, like, where's Buffalo ranked in that room? Right? Like, where's Buffalo ranked for their running backs? The reason I ask that is I don't think their running backs are any great shakes either, and I think they're the best team in football. I don't, I don't care where the running back is. You know, it doesn't matter. The Rams just won the Super Bowl, and they are ranked below Kansas City in this. doesn't like that. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not a great pick. I think we can all agree on that. To what degree you want to argue it, fine. But either way, he, he was not worth the first-round pick. Ronald Jones is fine. He'll annoy me when he fumbles. He'll make me smile when he runs for 12 yards on, on second and eight. Um, I like Gore. I wish he'd get more run. But also, let's be real. Part of this is Andy doesn't want to run the ball. So right. that's also part of it. I don't have a problem with the rankings. I will say this with pro football folks. You hit the nail on the head. People love pro football focus when they rank one of their guys as a good player. And then they hate him when they don't rank him as a good player. The problem I have with pro football focus is when you turn on NBC Sunday Night Football and they have like the little PFF ranking because Collinsworth owns them. And you get to like, you know, it's some, some 
some receiver you've never heard of ranks like four. He's like, oh, he's the fourth best guy in the league. It's like if, if your ranking says that that guy is the fourth best guy in the league, change your ranking. He's not the like yeah. Patrick Mahomes should never be seen as the ninth best quarterback or whatever, right? Like right. that's my issue. They did a list of quarter of uh, excuse me of coaches this week, and Cliff Kingsbury was ranked as the fourth best coach. I was at a stroke. Mike Tanier, who used to write for us uh, and, and now works full time at Football Outsiders, who's a great follower, great guy. He joined me for the full hour on Sack the Box on Tuesday. We talked about this. Yeah. Like Cliff Kingsbury is the worst coach in his own division, the fourth <laughs> best coach in the league. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no way he's that. So that that is the issue that I have a lot of times. Is I feel like they're inconsistent. That said, with the running backs, yeah, the Chiefs are they're not good at running back. But I also don't think it holds them back. Like I don't think it, I don't think that matters. What matters is how good this defense is going to be. That's what matters. If the defense is good, the running back could be me, and it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, and uh, to answer your question from earlier, the Bills came in at 19th. Um, okay. So some of your other – your top of the list was, of course, the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Dearness Johnson, who also played really well when he got in there last year. Fat lot of good it did the Browns last season when they didn't have good quarterback right, play. So, yeah. yeah, to your point, look, w- w- would I love to have Derrick Henry, prime Derrick Henry on the Chiefs or even Kareem Hunt back or Nick Chubb? Yeah, absolutely. That would be absolutely incredible. But this is an offense that's built around Patrick Mahomes and throwing the football. It's always probably going to be that way. Now, but there are some people in the chat, and I want to ask you about this. A lot of people think this is a year where Clyde Edwards-Alaire could break out. I think everybody was reasonably happy with his rookie season, performed pretty well. Then he he was ill, uh, lost a lot of weight, right. came back, hasn't really had a good full offseason program because of COVID and then the illness and some surgery. So, like, do you do you see this being a year where he could potentially break out where he gets he's got enough reps now, he's healthy, he's at weight, all of those types of things, or is this just who he is? He's a guy. I mean, he doesn't have good vision. And that that's to me the biggest problem he does not have good vision and also the guy the ball he's he's got he's got 55 catches in two years 55 catches in two years that's not it's not anywhere near good i think a lot of us thought he get 55 catches coming out of you know coming out of lsu in his rookie year so yeah look he's not the, the conversation around him though gets skewed because he's a first round pick it's not that he's not a decent player he is a decent player he averages 4.4 yards in attempt for his career like he's not useless He's just not what you expected from a first-round running back. If he was drafted in the third round, I think most people would be fine with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But he's not right. what you expected. So, you know, that matters, right? Like, like for an example, on the other side of this, Rashad Fenton is a decent corner. He was a day-three pick. He's seen as this great pick. If Rashad, Penton, if Rashad Fenton was a first-round pick, like, you'd be like, Rashad Fenton was a bust. So yeah. and then in, in some ways that's fair. Like you, you have to judge these guys based off of the amount of capital team used to acquire them. He's an average running back. Ronald Jones is a guy. He's an average, but like it's it's difficult to say that you think he's going to break out. I mean, based off what that that that's the problem. Like you're in an offense where you mentioned earlier, like you'd love to have Derrick Henry. I don't know that Derrick Henry would be Derrick Henry in Kansas City. They'd never give him the ball. Like I, right. I mean, they would they wouldn't give him the football. Like Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry because Tennessee gives him the ball 300 times a season. Do you think the Chiefs are taking the ball to Mahomes' hands to give it to Derrick Henry? There's no way in hell. That's not happening. So I think with the Chiefs, the problem is, look, I think Veach has done an incredible job with them, but that is the one pick in his tenure along with Breland Speaks. Now, Breland Speaks was a disaster. That, that's a whole different story. 
but where you look at it and just go, okay, that picture flat didn't work. Edwards Alaire's worked to an extent, but it was just it was a reach. Like they didn't need it was a luxury pick coming off a of Super Bowl. And they ended up having a really good draft anyway, because they got gay later in that draft, they got Sneed in that draft. I mean, it, it worked out fine. But um, yeah, I mean it, it definitely feels now like it just he's kind of a guy. And I, I don't I don't see that change. I hope it does, but I don't think it will. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc do you think the chiefs will run the ball a little bit more this year i mean i know andy's andy and he doesn't like to run the ball however you know i if i'm if, if you're, you're a smart head coach you're trying to get the ball in the players your best players hands as much as possible when you're on offense so you know, in the case of the Browns, they're handing off a ton of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. In the case of the Colts, they're giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. They're riding their best offensive weapon. For the Chiefs, in a lot of ways, it makes sense. You see what Andy Reid does. You had Tyree Kill on the field. You have Travis Kelsey and you got Patrick Mahomes. Those three need to get the majority of the touches if you can get them the ball. Edwards Alaire is down on that list a little bit. Does it change this year with the departure of Tyree Kill? It should, but it won't. I, this is my biggest fear about this team is they have a great offensive line. They have a line that they could run the ball for six yards a clip behind in a lot of games, and they'll run the ball 12 times because they have a coach who's a great coach who is deservedly going to walk into the Hall of Fame one day, but he will not run the ball. I, I refu- They just they don't run the football. I, I hope they do. And that's not – like I'm not sitting here saying – I want to be clear. I'm not sitting here saying they should be this ground and pounding. They have Mahomes. I mean, they should be throwing the ball a lot. But, you know, I look back – not to give everybody a reason to drink here on, on Thursday, I look back at the Bengals game. Like, the Bengals literally were just backing off the line of scrimmage and say, please run it. And, and, and if you run it, we can't stop you, but it's still better than throwing it. Like, And the Chiefs just refused to do it. They just refused to do it. Like, I, I mean, the Bengals, after that game, at, you know, in the offseason, I went to the Combine and I talked to somebody with the Bengals, who literally told me off the record, yeah, we had, we we could not stop them. Like we were just praying, like, like we like we basically had to drop everybody and just hope they threw into it. We had no answer for it, and that's yeah. what they did. Like had the Chiefs run the ball, that game's over. The, the Bengals had no answer for them, and it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Like I, yeah. the Chiefs, and I. So it's like if you're not going to do it in the biggest moment of the year, think about think about. You know, at the end of that game, despite all their crap, they could still win. They're down three, a minute to go. They have second goal at the four-yard line, and Reed calls a pass. I mean, it's just it's insanity. But that's like that is the one thing about them this year scares me more than anything else. Is just they beat themselves a few times a game, a few times in a year 
because he was he will not bend to logic. And I, I mean, yeah, they should pound the ball behind that line. But will they? No, I, I, I have no reason they will. They, they never have since Mahomes has been the team. Reed just sees him as a meal ticket to throw the ball 50 times a game. And it, it hurts them at times. It helps them a lot of times, but it hurts them at other times. Yeah, it's frustrating when it happens. And I think you or I could have maybe averaged a yard or two per carry against that Bengals front just just for the amount of time it would have taken somebody to get to us. <laughs> Look, the, the according to PFF, the rushing grades for CEH in 2021, 66.5. Ronald Jones slightly better, 67.6. Clyde had uh, 19 forced uh, missed tackles. Ronald Jones had 13. And uh, the receiving grades were Clyde 65.4, Ronald Jones 55.3. So... Yeah, it doesn't look great. Before we move on, what what are your thoughts on Pacheco? Are you excited about him? Do you think we won't see much of him? He'll be playing special teams and, unless somebody gets injured. It's hard. It's to a seventh round pick. Yeah, I mean, look, call me in August. Um, no, I I mean to me that's a complete flyer, and if he works out, great. But no, I, I would not expect him to make any difference. Now, if he does, that's awesome. That's a huge benefit. But no, I think it's going to be Ronald Jones and CEH and a smattering of Gore, and you're going to go forward. Their biggest problem right now at their backs is who the hell is blocking? That's the problem. Gore, Gore is not anybody's ever been asked to block. Jones is not a good blocker. CEH is not a good blocker. So when a team blitzes on third down and your back's going to step up and block, who is it? Is it going to be Burton? I mean, who's the guy blocking? Because right now they don't. That is one thing I got to tell you. I am disappointed. Like, why did they not bring back McKinnon? McKinnon. Get it. McKinnon. By the end of the year, was the best back on that team by a mile, and he can block. McKinnon can stick yeah. guys in the ground, yep. and he's still a free yep. agent. And you're you're not bringing that guy back like, I, for what would he cost you? The vet minimum? I mean, I, right? I don't get it. that. I don't get, get him it. on the roster. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. It's very understand. strange. You know, bring him in. Bring him into camp. If these guys really legitimately outperform him, fine. But I, that one, that, Daryl Williams, as even though he had a good year, I understand it. I get it. McKinnon, like I get he has an injury history, but you're not asking him to do a lot. If he gets hurt, it's not like you're out any significant amount of money. Like, try it. I, that yeah. that I think is a is a oversight. All right. Well, we will find out soon. And the Chiefs had their, I think their last OTA today, number eight. Um, they did. A few reports coming out of that. Nothing. Not nothing too crazy. Some you know, Mahomes threw a nice little sidearm pass to MVS. Some other things, but you know, it's right now. It's just about getting everybody running the playbook a little bit, going through the motions and, and getting healthy and getting to camp. Uh, hey, listen, if you like the Arrowhead Addict podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family. Arrowhead Addict members get special uh, access to emojis and the YouTube chats and loyalty badges. And of course, you get access to the, or the invite to the private Discord where you can hang out with the Arrowhead Addict hosts. That's me, that's Burry, I'm Sterling Holmes, Matt Connor. Talk to you football. This time of year, especially, we're talking a lot of movies, beer, and so much more. Members get invites to private events with hosts like virtual happy hours. Hours. They'll be probably on-site things in Kansas City soon as well. So check the link in the description about joining wherever you get this podcast. We appreciate your support. Okay, this one is for you, Verderan, because you're such an NFL historian and you have a, a photographic memory when it comes to uh, to the NFL. And honestly, if I mean, you guys probably know this or you, you can you can understand this, but from watching the podcast, but if you ever had long football discussions like I've had the pleasure of having with Matt, he's like a beautiful mind when it comes to the NFL. The man just He's a historian, studies everything, watches film. So this is a, a really good question that when I read the article, and, and another one who's like this from, from the great Bill Barnwell at ESPN, um, he wrote a great article on ESPN. You got to check it out um, about the AFC West and the quarterbacks that they have in the division right now because the addition right. of 
uh, you know, Russell Wilson and get Derek Carr and Mahomes, of course, Herbert. He asked the question, is the 2022 AFC West the greatest quarterback division ever? And boy, did he go in on it. I mean, he went through every single division. He went like when Montana was in the AFC West with Elway and broke it down, looked at – it was absolutely incredible article. Did you get a chance to read it, Verran? I didn't. Um, I had the link open, but then I got busy with work and other things. Um, sure. And I, I am relying on my own mental knowledge here of, of – yeah, I, 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 got, did, uh, I saw the premise of it. Yeah. Um, what he ended up landing on was on paper, I can't find a division that matches up with the resumes and prime seasons of the four guys in the AFC West. Um, and, 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 you know, this is prefaced by, hey, got, you know, the season hasn't happened yet. You can't crown them. But he thinks Mahomes could be would probably be a Hall, Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow. He he thinks Herbert's on, you know, is an unknown, but seems to be on that track given his start. And of course, Russell Wilson, he says he doesn't think Russell Wilson's a slam dunk, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But he's going going in the Hall of Fame. Right. So um, Carr probably not going to make it unless he just goes ballistic here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Uh, But 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 a very solid quarterback, top 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, and that's 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 your number four guy in the division. So what is your opinion? Verter? And do you think this could be the best, most competitive quarterback division of all time with potentially three Hall of Famers when it's all said and done? Yeah. I mean, look, if you go through it. So Brady's never played with anybody who has ever mattered outside of Breeze for a, what, a year um, in, in a division. So Brady doesn't factor in. Manning shared a division with Brady, actually, for a couple of years. Yep. But they – Brady wasn't Brady in terms of statistics yet. Uh, Manning was young, and everybody else in division style. So those guys really don't factor in. You go to Montana. Montana, when he played with the Niners, everybody else in that division stunk. So he didn't really factor in. As, as Barnwell mentioned, yes, when he went to Kansas City, there was Elway. I mean, you go back to the old school NFC Central. It's Starr and Tarkington in the division together, but nobody else. You go back, I mean, Staubach and, and Aikman and all those years at the Cowboys. I mean, you know, Aikman shared the division with Sims and Cunningham. And, and you know, but I, again, I mean, one, only one of those guys all of Famer. Warren Moon, eh, I mean, no, no, nobody else in that division. I think it depends on how Herbert's career plays out. Like, if he ends up being a Hall of Famer, then, yeah, probably. It's probably the best division of quarterbacks ever. I don't know. I mean, the old AFC West had Marino and Kelly. Uh, O'Brien was a good quarterback. The Colts were trotting out a bum festival. Uh, the Pats had Grogan, who was good. That was that was a damn good division of quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, really, if you look at it, it's you know, I, I mean, you know, the old AFC West had Hadel, Stabler, and Dawson in it for a, a period. Now, now Stabler was kind of behind LaMonica for a lot of those years, but you know, Hadel's a Hadel was a great player. LaMonica was good. Stable is now in the Hall of Fame posthumously. Dawson, of course, is in. But yeah, yeah, man, it's probably it's probably this division. I mean, I you know, I mean, hell, you know, you did have at one point. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that's close. Not all that long ago, beginning of the decade, you had Rodgers in Green Bay. You had Stafford in Detroit. Cutler bringing up the rear in Chicago. But you all are from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, that's on here. He went through that one. Um, interesting yeah. one was was uh, eighty three. Montana and Stabler were in the NFC West. Yeah, but Stabler, but Stabler was, was thirty-eight. Yeah. He was yeah. terrible. He was completely washed up. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I'll give you a, 
There's another one, actually, that's pretty interesting. In 1980, in the AFC Central, you had Bradshaw with Pittsburgh, Hall of Famer. Stabler with the Oilers, Hall of Famer. And still still good. They went to the playoffs that year. Sipe, the Browns, who won MVP that year. And Ken Anderson, who's probably the best player not in the Hall of Fame, who won MVP the following year. That's a pretty damn good division. That's yeah. that's pretty good. Like, I don't know if you, if you mentioned that division. You should have. That 1988 AFC Central... You got a Hall of Famer, two guys who won MVPs both that year and the following year, and you have uh, actually you have two Hall of Famers. Uh, Stabler also won an MVP in 76. Or excuse me. He won it in – Burt Jones won it in 76. Uh, I think Stabler won it in 75. And then Bradshaw, I believe, also won it in 78. So I, th- I think all those quarterbacks won the MVP in the span of like seven years, and two of them are in the Hall of Fame, and, and the other one should be. So. That that division's got a case. That division has a real case. How about this one that Barnwell picked out? I thought this was pretty interesting. AFC West 2004. The Chargers were starting Drew Brees. Brees yep. Rivers is on the bench. Right. Doug Flutie's on the bench. The Chiefs had Trent Green. Then you had uh, Jake Plummer uh, and some of those other guys. But that's an interesting yeah. one, even though they weren't yeah. all playing. Like there's the instance like when Montana and Young were on the same team, right? Favre and Rodgers. Does it? I don't right. know that you could really count you that in the same size. You know, yeah. like I, yeah, I mean, you know, you, I mean, like you want to go way back. The NFL West in the 60s had, you know, Gabriel, who was an MVP in 1969, and Brody, who was an MVP in 1970 for the Niners. And, and I would say, thinking about it off the top of my head, like that AFC Central group was really good. Sype didn't have a long peak, but he was very good at his peak. But this group, I mean, look, you've got an all-time guy in Mahomes. You've got another guy who's a Super Bowl champion, a great player in Wilson. I think it depends on Herbert. If Herbert goes on and has a great career, then yeah, you could definitely make the case. You definitely make the case. But if he doesn't, and he turns out to just be a guy who puts up a lot of numbers, but doesn't actually win anything, then I think the case falls off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There were some good ones. I mean, you had Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, um, some fun, some fun crossovers too. I think. Uh, I think you had a year with with like Favre and and Warren Moon, but again, it's a lot of these crossovers right. when guys right. are getting long in the tooth. It's really fascinating, though. It's I think we've been I think we'll look back and we'll we'll have felt very uh, fortunate to have gotten to see a few games of Mahomes v Brady. Uh, here's a question for you: If you had the dream matchup for the Super Bowl this year, would you want to see Mahomes take down Brady and get his revenge and, and beat him in a Super Bowl? Or do you want to see Mahomes take down Rodgers? Brady. I Brady. think so, too. I mean, because then you get even. Like, I think there's going to be a pretty good case to be made at the end of Mahomes' career that he was the better player than Rodgers. Uh, and Rodgers is awesome. Like, I, I don't know why I was saying about this here today, but um, if I had to compare Mahomes to anybody, I think it is Rodgers. It is, in terms of the way he plays and, 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 and the things he can do. Brady is not the greatest football player I've ever seen. Brady's the greatest winner I've ever seen. Brady is much more Bill Russell than he is Michael Jordan. And, mm. and that's not a knock. I mean, it's not a knock to be Bill Russell. But he's much more of that than he is, oh, my God, how do you stop this guy? Like, he's just incredibly talented. Mahomes is more – I mean, look, he's also one, but Mahomes is more Jordan, where there are times where you're like, you just, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to stop him. Like, Rodgers is like that at times. Yeah, I think, I think that's the that's – the, comparison but no i think historically speaking it would mean more if mahomes beat brady than if he beat rogers yeah brady's like uh brady's like getting getting killed to death with paper cuts 
You know, each one is right. not devastating, but really frustrating. Mahomes and Rogers is like Jason Voorhees coming at you with a machete. And those guys, there's, you know, bursting through the wall. By the way, to be fair, like, if you go, if you run it back in another era, like Montana was like that. Montana wasn't, if you go watch highlights of Joe Montana, Joe Montana did not have the strongest arm in the league. He was not a guy running for, like Randall Cunningham. He, like Marino was the more talented. Elway was the more talented. Like I'm going to throw the ball a million miles and put it through a Cheerio. Like that's like those guys were more talented. But Montana, he was. I mean, he was of course, obviously, also very talented. But yeah. just won a ton. And I, you know, Mahomes. That's that's where Mahomes could really be separating himself in ten years. Like if he can win three or four in his career, plus all the talent he has. I know people say, well, he'll never be seen as Brady because Brady won seven. I disagree with that. Russell has that famous picture where he's got like his whole cans full of rings, like cups. You know, Nobody thinks Bill Russell's the better player than Michael Jordan. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who won a million MVP awards, all-time leading, everything. Nobody calls him better than Michael Jordan. If Mahomes wins four Super Bowls, gets to six, you know, something like that, and he puts up a ton of numbers, which God knows if he's healthy, he's going to do. I honestly think in the end, like he'll be seen as the best quarterback of all time. And it'll be like, okay, yeah, he didn't win all the, you know, he didn't win seven Super Bowls, but he won enough. I, I mean, Otto Graham isn't thought of as better than, than Joe Montana. You know, I, I and, and yeah. Graham was in a championship game 10 years in a row. So, <laughs> right, right. you know, I, I think, I think, you know, that people get too hung up on all that stuff sometimes. But Mahomes, because of his talent, and if he can win, he's got that rare chance to have that combination. All right. Moving on, Nate S., congratulations to our guy, Nate. Just did his three-month membership anniversary with the uh, with Arrowhead Attic. Appreciate you, Nate. Uh, good friend of ours. Gets a free super chat. He says, play calling usage seems different with CEH than in previous read offenses. Has there been analysis on the percentage of screens slash running back routes versus previous years? I haven't seen one, but I've been thinking that myself. I mean, they definitely use Cream Hunt differently than he's used CEH. Sure. I, I don't know of a study that's out there. Uh, there very well might be. But, Nate, the points well, well taken. I agree with you. We've talked about that. Like, they don't throw the ball as much on screens and swing passes as they used to. I think it's borderline criminal. They don't throw screen passes with this offensive line. I mean, you you looking as a corner to get out and break that up? I mean, Trey Smith is one of the nastiest offensive linemen in football. You want to get out in front of that guy? You know, I mean, if you're you're a Humphrey linebacker, too, man. You want to take on Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, or six foot eight, three hundred and sixty five pound Orlando Brown? <laughs> you're looking to break that up? I mean, yeah. I got to tell you, you throw a screen to that side. There's going to be business decisions galore going down the sideline. Okay. Yeah. There, there's not going to be too many guys who are up for a contract next year who are jumping in to break up the screen with Orlando Brown coming downfield. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it drives me crazy, especially when teams are backing off. But that is going to be an interesting point to all this with this season. Like, they're going to be playing differently than they have. As we've, we've talked about this without Tyree Kill and, the, and the, the new weapons coming in. It's going to be really interesting. Like, they're going to play differently. By the way, PFT, while we've been on the podcast, reported the Chiefs signed Joshua Williams, their fourth-round pick, their corner. Um, so he's another one locked up. But that's going to be really interesting. That's Because I think part of the reason the screen game went away was teams backed off so much. And the screen game is more effective when teams are in man because when they're in man, they turn their back when they run with you. When they're in zone, they backpedal and everything's in front. It's easier to see the screen develop. I wonder now as more man gets played against the Chiefs. The teams will go that, you know, the Chiefs will, the Chiefs will bring the screen game back and not to dovetail off this, but I've been thinking about this. 
Um, if you look at Mahomes' numbers against man coverage, they're they're almost impossible. Like they're astronomically hilarious how good he is against man on man coverage. They're gonna see a lot of that this year because there's no Tyree Kill now. So teams are gonna bracket Kelsey, they're gonna play man on man. I mean, it's gonna be very interesting to see the way this offense develops and plays. It really is. I'm yeah. very, very interested to see how it all shakes. But I think the screen game should be a bigger part of it this year for that reason alone. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating. Um, all right. Look, we are gonna do a fun segment here. We're going to power rank our top five, each of our top five Chiefs draft picks of all time. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention the Arrowhead Attic Podcast now has swag. Check out the link in the description wherever you get this podcast and rock some Arrowhead Attic Podcast swag. Check out the Adidas golf hat, champion hoodie. I really just was rocking down in Orlando because it's so damn hot. The the straight red Arrowhead Attic Chiefs t-shirt. Great stuff. Very soft, very comfy. Check it out. All right. Power ranking the Chiefs top five draft picks of all time so why don't we do this let's just rotate so i'll do my five you do your five and we'll see how the list turns out at the end so i'll kick us off for me number five this was a tough one i was really looking hard at at a couple guys i got god i love jamal charles um some guys i didn't get to see play but made a huge impact on the chiefs buck buchanan what i tried to do for the most part my criteria was i tried to think about Absolute skill, but of course, the impact that they had on the Chiefs. And so, uh, you know, as a franchise, and for me, that kind of edged Jamal Charles out of my rankings, even though I think he was wonderful. They just didn't win a whole lot with him. So number five for me is Bobby Bell. Reading about Bobby Bell, watching some clips of the way that he played. 6'4", 230. Rumored to have run a 4.540-yard dash. The man had 40 sacks and 26 interceptions. He was part of the all-decade team. First team all pro, second team all pro, two time AFL champ. He was, remember, these are the mergers. So he's a six time AFL all star, a five time first team AFL all pro, and a second uh, second team all pro, and he, six pick sixes. Man, that's quite a resume. It wasn't bad. Um, he might make it. Uh, I think, you know, when I was thinking about this, I kind of went off of if you're a first round pick, you have to be like unbelievable. Um, and I think when I went through the list, there were only a few first-round guys and going with. Buck Buchanan makes the list for me. He was the first overall pick for them, uh, first overall pick period in the AFL draft. And a fun fact, first black man taken at the first overall spot in the AFL or the NFL. Um, so he, he broke that glass ceiling and certainly lived up to it. One of the greatest defensive tackles of all time, Hall of Famer, part of that great defense that went to Super Bowls, of course, won one in 19. 19- 69. I mean, you're talking about an all-time uh, player. And so for me, I I have put him – I put him only at five because they, they've had a lot of great players over the years. And Buchanan is, is great because he was drafted so highly. Um, I, I put him at five. But for me, Buchanan, look, two-time Pro Bowl uh, in the NFL, six-time All-Star AFL, NFL 100th anniversary all-time team, AFL all-time team, retired his number, Chiefs Hall of Fame. I mean, you go on and on. He was, he was incredible. So he deserves to be there. Another absolute monster at six seven. Um, no batting down passes. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So number four, a good choice. I was really going back and forth between those two. So number four for me, and I was sort of looking at this the same way that you were. It, I, I wanted to incorporate some value there for the Chiefs as well. And while the Chiefs got incredible value for Jamal Charles as a third round pick, they got better value 
from Travis Kelsey, who's number four on my list. Third round, best tight end of all time, in my opinion. Won the Chiefs, helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Insane, like one of the best receivers in the NFL over the last few years. Uh, slam dunk, first ballot, going to walk into Canton. Had to come up number four for me. Getting that in the third round, uh, pretty damn impressive. So I will go number four, Will Shields. He was a third-round pick out of Nebraska in 1993, and he ended up having an incredible career at the Chiefs. Everybody knows, of course, he spent his whole career. He played 14 seasons. He made 12 Pro Bowls. All-decade team, Hall of Famer, Chiefs Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Pro, Walter Payton Man of the Year, the whole deal. I think he gets overlooked some Lyman. He was there. They were Super Bowl. But for me, uh, I, I, had, I had to put him on the list. Yeah, um, he's absolutely incredible. Uh He's actually, let me pull up my list here, but he's uh, he's next for me at number three. Um, yeah, like you said, third rounder, w- Walter Payton Man of the Year, just 12 Pro Bowls all day, first team, but multiple first team all pros, uh, just incredible. Do you think he's the most one of the most dominant players at his position ever? Oh, yeah. It's 12 Pro Bowls. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, forget it. That, <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you, you get double digit Pro Bowls, you're one of the most dominant players of your position ever he was and he was just as evidenced by 12 pro bowls in 14 years he made 12 in a row by the way from 95 to 2006 unbelievable i mean look i will tell you right now and you talked about my love of history i would that offensive lineup against any history of the nfl both waters wigman i mean that team oh my god man john tate like and then they had jason dunn who was basically another offensive lineman and tony richardson who's a top five fullback of all time that team i mean they got it done up front. Yeah, they sure did. Um, who you got at number three? I actually just, I went, we were some, I went with Kelsey. Um, so I won't, I won't wax on. You already touched on it. third round pick, all time player. Maybe we'll finish as the best tight end in NFL history. It almost feels weird. He's only at three. And for you, he's at four. But I, you're not going to get too many better picks than that. I mean, the third round has been yeah. good for the Chiefs over the years. You mentioned Jamal earlier. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I'd have to say uh, Kelsey's a top three for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, look, for me, number two, this one was pretty easy. It's got to be Derek Thomas. NFL Man of the Year in 93, three first-team All-Pros, Defensive Rookie of the Year in 89. Uh, or he was a NFL Man of the Year in 93, sorry about that, not 83. Nine-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's just He was the force fumbles leader twice. He's incre- just was incredible. Gone too soon. Um, rest in peace. One of my favorite Chiefs of all time worth worth uh, every penny of, of his career for Kansas City. You know, for me, other than Mahomes, he's my favorite player ever on the team. Um, wow. The only reason I left him off is because he was such a high draft pick. And I debated yeah. because really, 24. I mean, you know, him, Bobby Bell, like, I mean, now I, it was for me, it was him or Buchanan or Ben. I just, well, I was like, well, Buchanan has a significance in terms of history. I went there. Number two for me is Willie Lanier. I mean, I you know, right there, top five linebacker of all time, my opinion, uh, middle linebacker, and was the first black middle linebacker ever, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, the second round pick, 50th overall out of Morgan State. And for those who don't know, the Chiefs had a, had a scout by the name of Lloyd Wells, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if I ever get to vote for the Hall of Fame, I will, I will push for that significantly. He was the first full-time black scout in NFL history, and he was a huge, huge champion of mining these historically black colleges. And Lanier, coming from Oregon State, was one of those players. You go back and look. I mean, Buchanan was another guy from Grambling. I, I believe I, I believe one. 
Um, they, I mean, he was, in fact, there's a whole story about Owens Taylor, how they got him away from the Cowboys, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you should look it up. But Lloyd Wells found a lot of these guys. I, I think Lanier has a case as the greatest draft pick ever. I mean, he, for them, he was, he was unbelievable. I had the privilege to interview him a handful of years ago, first year that I wrote uh, about that 69 team, about that defense specifically. One of the most enjoyable people in the interview I ever have, have had the pleasure of speaking with, one of the smartest human beings I've ever come across in any field. You could see why he was such a great player. His nickname was contacted, that bump in his helmet because he hit so many guys head on. That they actually had to put that into yeah. and hurt himself. I, to me, I mean, you want to talk about a guy whose accomplishments just continue on, on and on and on and on. I mean, he really was the glue of one of the greats ever. And I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, look, you look at his career, you know, he played – his entire career, he played 11, another NFL man of the year for the record, won a Super Bowl, eight-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowl, and a two-time AFL All-Star, so eight Pro Bowls, essentially. 75th anniversary, 100th anniversary, Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Hall of Fame. By the way, uh, he had 27 interceptions. I mean, just he and Bell, Nuts. there is no argument. They're the most athletic pair of linebackers in NFL history play with each other ever. You could argue there are better linebacking cores, Pittsburgh in the 70s, Giants with Carson and Banks and Lawrence Taylor. No two guys athletically were ever better than those two guys playing alongside each other. And Jim Lynch was no was no chump change. He just wasn't those two guys. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Dominant. Okay, before we get to number one, uh, I just want to give an honorable mention. And I'm giving this honorable mention because I think it was a great draft pick. Great draft pick. But it just didn't work out long term. Jared Allen, uh, number 12 okay. all-time in sacks, picked up in the fourth round. Uh, had 136 sacks in his career. Absolutely incredible. He's ahead of guys, uh, you know, John Abraham, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, he's ahead of Derek Thomas. Um, so incredible career for Jared Allen. Obviously, only a portion of those, not the bulk of them, came during his four years with Kansas City. Got traded to the Vikings, eventually finished up, I think, in Chicago. Great career for him. So he's my honorable mention for the list because he didn't stick with the Chiefs for a long time. They're either playing Neil Smith, didn't stay with the Chiefs for, for his entire career. But, of course, number one, had to go with Patrick Mahomes, uh, franchise quarterback, best quarterback in the history of the team, going into the Hall of Fame, um, won the team its second Super Bowl. I I don't know how you don't have him at at the top of this list already. Right. right. So I'm looking at number one. Okay. I really explained myself there. I I feel like we've gone through a lot of history today. But here's the fun. So before the NFL and the AFL merged, they had separate drafts, obviously. And they, they agreed as part of their merger agreement in June of 1966. They agreed on a common draft starting in 1968, I believe. So before that, you know, two teams could draft the same player, and they fought over that player, right? Like, the, like for an example, the, uh, the the Cardinals drafted Joe Namath, but they offered him, like, 200 grand, and the Jets were like, here's for 27 grand, and, and a Lincoln Continental, and that sealed the deal. In 1960, the fifth overall pick in the AFL drafts, of course, they drafted, they assigned them. That time, great draft picks that they didn't build on. And by the way, in that class, took him in the first round. In the third round, they took Mike Curtis, who's a great, like, borderline Hall of Fame linebacker, went to the Colts. And in the fourth round, they took Otis Taylor. That that was pretty good scouting. They did okay for themselves. They ended up, of course, only signing one of those guys, Taylor, who should be in the Hall of Fame. But worth noting, yes. Yeah, so you had a that that to me is one of the great uh, one of the great picks. It's a great what if. Imagine that. Imagine if if you're sitting there. And you have you have Gail Sayers as a part of the Chiefs history, but wasn't to be Kansas comment left Kansas. He went to he went to Chicago, and I guess the Chiefs will they'll, they'll live with that. But that I always think about that as one of their great picks. And by the way, uh, in that same uh, thing, 
Also, a second round pick when they were the Dallas Texans, Bob, defensive tackle, signed the Cowboys. So, those are a couple great draft picks that nobody knows draft. And this is why you uh, listen to this podcast. And this is why what I set up at the top of this is you want to talk about this kind of stuff with Matt Verderan because the man is well read when it comes to the NFL. Before we get out of here, we got a, 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 another anniversary or a guy Gonzo's two month message. When people bring up the fact that Brady beat Mahomes in the more important games, what would be your rattle towards that? Gonzo, I don't, I don't have one. I mean, it, it is what it is. And not always Mahomes. I mean, the AFC Championship game, he lost to Brady. I, I don't know how you put that one on Mahomes, um, but it, it's it goes down on the stat sheet, right? So, Super Bowl, same thing. I think we all know that. Mahomes did everything he could to help the Chiefs win that game. They just had no chance. It is a team game, but the, the it is what it is. You know, right now Brady's up. Brady looks better. He's beat him in the big games, and uh, Mahomes has still got some things to prove. But he's got a chance to. He's going to play him this year in the regular season. Has a chance to get another win. And if if they happen to meet in the Super Bowl, uh, as you mentioned, uh, even evens the score. Yeah, there's no rebuttal. Other than I mean, look, I, I would say this: like neither one of the games I lost were on Mahomes. I mean, it wasn't like they had games because, you know, I, I had an argument with Victoria the other day. He was like, well, Mahomes is terrible in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, you Super Bowl? He was throwing passes horizontally. It's a game. Like, not even ex- yeah. exaggeration, right? So, you know, you know, I mean, the game, I mean, I don't know. Thank D. Ford. Like, they win the game if D. Ford knows I don't want to know. I'll get to D. Ford. You know, that happened. Goes to the Pro Bowl. The next week, the first step, I swear to God, if you look this up, if you're crazy enough to find the, the 2018 Pro Bowl. The next week goes to the Pro Bowl, lines up off sides. It's first play again. <laughs> I mean, you would think after that he would line up five yards off the line of scrimmage, right? Nope, nope. Just on first play. Just like, God. So, look, I mean, I would put it this way. People get people get to in, like, this guy beat this guy, and this guy beat this guy, and this guy beat this guy. I mean, Elway lost Super Bowls to Phil Simms and, and, and Doug Williams. Now, with due respect to both those guys, who are very good quarterbacks, Always a better quarterback than Phil Simms and Doug Williams. He was on worst teams. Like, they weren't supposed to win those games. You could argue, well, he was favored against Tampa. Look, they had no shot. I mean, they couldn't block. They weren't going to win that football game, right? I mean, between all that, you know, the, the, the blocking and the lack of imagination offensively with the, with the play, they weren't going to win. And then the game, the AFC title game, look, I, I gave it was an arrowhead yeah. and all that. You're going up against an all-time like team. It wasn't like they lost to some, like, the Bengals' loss is so much worse because they should have beat Cincinnati. They should have won that game. Those games against yeah. Brady never bothered me. They didn't bother me the next day when I woke up. They shouldn't have won those games. They weren't as good. Brady happened to be the quarterback. But, I mean, Matt Stafford, if he was the quarterback in the Bucs that game, would have beaten him. Like, and not because Stafford's better, but he just would have won the game. Um, so, I guess there is no – you know what? If, if Mahomes finishes his career and people are like, well, he wasn't the best ever, okay, is, is he top five? Because I'll take it. Like, if, like after, after the yeah, smorgasbord right. of crap – we have watched in it, for this fan base for 50 years. If you end up walking away going, well, yeah, you know what? He he might have been better than Montana. It's arguable. Geez, that's a tough lot in life. I would take yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so I, I guess it's how I fall on. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, before we go, I can't believe we've never done this on this podcast, but I've seen this going around Twitter today, so I figured let's talk about it. Let's do a quick pizza rankings. So uh, the, the, what I seen was going okay. around with thin crust, Chicago deep dish, New York, and Detroit style, which is the the the, the jet pizza, the square, thicker crust. Um, so why don't, why don't you kick us off further? I'm just just go down the whole list. All right. Well, Detroit city. So Detroit doesn't count. And chat to your band for life. That's not real. That's not even pizza. Um. Look to me, like 
if you go to Italy, like this, not that I've ever been to Italy, but being Italian, like it, they they cut like the pizza in squares. They don't cut it in slices. They cut it in rectangles. I shouldn't say squares, rectangles. I would put it this way: I have deep dish at the bottom of my. I, I don't even include Detroit. What Detroit is, is at the bottom of every list there is. So but Detroit stays where it belongs. I would put deep dish next. I feel like I'm a piece of lasagna. Of lasagna. But when I want pizza, like I feel like every time I go get like mm-hmm. deep dish, it's just these huge chunks of tomato. I had no time for that. Then I'd go thin crust, but I would go, uh, and uh, sh- shockingly, I'm sure to the crowd, the New York style pizza for me is the best. Um, especially if you get it in the city, you get you walk up, you get it for like two bucks, and they give you like one of those little paper plates where the grease is already soaked through the entire thing. Useless at that point, but you just I that to me is number one. That's that's top of my list. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, look, I'm I am very anti thin crust pizza. I don't want this cracker crust crap. Get out of here. Uh, give me something substantial. I don't like how they cut it into a million pieces. I'm just not on board. I'd I'd like to leave it off my list. It doesn't make the cut for me. Next, I'll go with the Detroit style. It's interesting. Uh, a couple of good Detroit Detroit style places near where I grew up in Northeast Ohio. Um, so that grandma slice down with that. Uh, next I'll go deep dish. Uh, I live in Chicago here and, uh, I really dig the deep dish. I don't have a problem with it. It's a wonderful thing. It's different, um, than you get anywhere else, but it's, it's, it's delicious. I love, I love just a straight pepperoni deep dish, you know, can eat two pieces and, and be full for hours. And then, yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, lived in New York for 10 years. I love, love, love New York city style pizza. Give me the biggest floppiest piece you can find fold that sucker up and just go to town oh god i'm just uh, i'm getting hungry just thinking about it. my favorite place in new york a place called antonio's on flatbush in in, in park slope brooklyn check it out get the buffalo chicken pizza outrageous well you know that's what i was gonna say so i will say shout out to demos in chicago on clark on Clark Street, you've never been. It's like, it's like you can throw a baseball and hit Wrigley Field. It's just a little hole in the wall place. They have like all different kinds of pizza, and it's and it's a New York style. It's not it's not it's not that that tragedy of a product that deep dish. And you you can get like buffalo chicken, buffalo barbecue ranch. You can get mac and cheese pizza. You can get taco salad pizza. Oh my god, that that is a beautiful thing. What drives me nuts out here is it's so hard to just find a damn slice of pizza. You got to get the whole freaking pizza. Why? Yeah. I'm not going to go. I've, I've ranted about this before. I'm not going to go into this again, but it drives me nuts. I just want a damn slice. That's all. Like back home in New York, I worked at pizza for years, my long one. And the best part of that job, other than like hanging out, with the, was you break, you just get a slice of pizza, three garlic knots, a cannoli. You're good. I, I mean, that that is the dream. I would have yeah. worked there for free. Wouldn't, wouldn't have told him that. I needed money for day training years old. But at the time, like, oh, it was amazing. I love, like, I, I love when you just get a slice, like, in New York. I don't know to go with you. You, where, you go to Mumalnati's or, or Giordano's. You got to get a whole thing the street with that thing. It'll like an animal. So uh, I'd rather go to ALS yeah. Beef. That, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> New York is great. There's a pizza shop every 15 feet. Every 15 feet, you get a good pizza shop. And uh, Mr. Schwab yes. in the chat says two boots. I used to live by a two boots. Loved it. Uh, they had they had a, some sort of pizza they put chorizo on. I, I, I quite loved. All right, everybody. Listen, we got to go. We have crossed the hour mark. Um, listen, we appreciate your support. Make sure you give at Casey Beerco a shout on Twitter. And uh, we will see you next week. Matt, Ster- uh, Matt, Matt Sterling. Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes will be back on Tuesday. You'll see Verder M and I here on Thursday. And for our members, we'll see in the chat. And we hope to see some new members in the Discord. 
this coming week. Uh, it's a good time to get in on the conversations. They're very varied and interesting. Um, but until next week, thank you for all your support. And as always, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.